This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. I'd like to thank our sponsors who make our podcast possible. We tape our podcast with the ongoing support of Raider and Jason Sikora, our sound engineer. Raider is a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. Iberia Bank and First Horizon, who are now one bank. Two relationship-driven banks, both leaders in the industry, have officially joined forces. The combination of Iberia Bank and First Horizon creates a leading financial services company dedicated to enriching the lives of their clients, associates, and their communities. I'd also like to thank Lafayette General Health, who has joined the Oshner Health family and is now Oshner Lafayette General. As one health system, Oshner Lafayette General will provide expanded services and enhanced care from the familiar faces you already trust. Oshner Lafayette General means more resources to help solve health care's toughest problems, reinvesting in our communities, and being further committed to health and wellness. Oshner Lafayette General. Together means more. Learn more today at togethermeansmore.org. Today's guest is Kevin Gossin, president of Gossin Architects. Kevin specializes in traditional and historic design for custom residential dwellings. His work has been published many times, highlighting the attention to historic vernacular design. And his designs can be found throughout the South, spanning from Texas to Florida. Kevin also works on renovations and additions to historic properties, assuring the architecture is respected and preserved. He's been involved as developer for traditional neighborhoods, which involve developing covenants and restrictive guidelines for the construction of homes. A graduate of USL in 1981 with a Bachelor of Architecture, Kevin comes from a beautiful and large family raised by Alberta and Jerry Gossin both of whom I much admired. Kevin Gossin, my friend and neighbor, welcome to Discover Lafayette. Well, thank you for having me. It's a, yeah. certainly a pleasure. You didn't think I was going to get in your mom and dad, huh? No, but uh, <laughs> I, I like hearing that, uh, being oh, they were neighbors them. of both of us. I miss them. I do too. But, I know. But I know they're in a much better place. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but I think of them often and you and your husband really were good to them, and I appreciate well, that. Well, thank you. So here we are. It's end of July almost, uh, 2021. I have wanted to have you on the show for a while, and what I'd really like to talk about, Kevin, is what brought you, like what influenced you to become the architect that you are, and what have you learned? Like you've been doing this over 30 years. So maybe give us your background about growing up here in Lafayette, the influence of your family, and you know, whatever brought you to this point? Well, I grew up on Ronald Boulevard, which is uh, to the left of, of Fatima. Yeah. And my father was a uh, engineer as well as an architect, so he certainly had an influence on me. My grandfather, uh, fraternal that is, he was a contractor. So I've been in the business, so to speak, uh, before I got into the business. My father, however, was a commercial architect. Uh, he did a lot of government work, a lot of commercial work, and it's really a different kind of animal than mm-hmm. residential architecture. Uh, in fact, as a young boy, as early as I can remember, I would draw houses, sketch them on a large pad. and Really? Yeah. In fact, I wish I still had the pad. But oh, yeah. I was probably five and six years, five or six years old, and... I've known I've wanted to do this all of my life. Um, Now, my father being a commercial architect, uh, he would come into my bedroom, see me sketching (laughs) these houses, and some of them were kind of crazy. How so? Well, just elaborate and and Mm -hmm. just rambling and uh, I would say very creative. And uh, he would run into my bedroom or come into my bedroom and say, you need to get those houses out of your mind. You'll never be able to make a living doing houses. Oh, because he had built like, you know, what was it? Chase Tower. The he, Chase Tower. Like he was known for big buildings. He did uh, Women and Children's Hospital. Yeah. You know, a lot of really large 
mm-hmm. uh, businesses. In fact, he was the he and, and Mr. O'Rourke were the largest architectural firm in the city at that time, and they had fourteen architects working uh-huh. for them. And so it was a different a different practice altogether. And he saw you as maybe like trying to be an artist, just kind of a sketch artist. Of- yes, and, and my father really was an engineer first. Mm-hmm. In fact, he. Uh, was educated as an in- engineer and later became an architect, and his mind was more of an engineer's mind. However, my mother was very creative. I see. There was nothing she couldn't do. Uh, she could make something out of nothing, mm-hmm. and it was always done with excellence. And that had probably more of an influence on me than my father's work, because his work I was somewhat interested, but really not passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, an- another Big influence on me was uh, the art, is the architecture of, of Haystown. I wondered about that, the, the use of historic, like just reusing materials, the old wood, the, well, the bricks. Well, as a young boy, uh, there was always seems to be, a, there always seemed to be a home being built in Lafayette by Mr. Town. Mm-hmm. I would get on my bicycle and visit the job sites while they were under construction and ended up kind of knowing the contractor. And in the beginning, I didn't know who the architect was, but uh, soon after, there's a a sense of of uniqueness and similarities that uh, you really uh, notice. And I got to find out who it was. And he's he's been just a great influence on Mm -hmm. the type of work I do. In the beginning, I tried to emulate Mr. Town, and I got, I guess, more comfortable with my abilities. Uh, I I used him, his work rather, as a strong influence. However, uh, I threw my own spin, Mm -hmm. so call it, uh, into the architecture. And Mm -hmm. Mr. Town, coming from a different era, didn't believe much in large kitchens. The kitchens were away from the house or shut off from the house. Bathrooms and closets were small. He felt them to be very utilitarian. Uh, of course, today, yeah, families, it's, that, that, it's the opposite. Yeah. We tend to live in the kitchens. Uh, mm-hmm. That becomes the hub of the home, and closets and bathrooms seem to be very important, too. But, you know, in his era, maybe there was more home help. You know what I'm saying? Like he was designing for a, a wealthier clientele. Exactly. And perhaps that worked at that time. Definitely the people who lived in the homes really didn't go much yeah. into the kitchen. If you could afford that type of residence, you weren't worried about so how they, big is my kitchen. Right. They wanted the kitchen kind of shut off from mm-hmm. the uh, family areas because they had help in the kitchens. Yeah. It's a and different day. It's a totally different day. Right. That's so interesting. I wondered about that. Before we started taping, Kevin, I was telling you, Kelly and I, my daughter Kelly's here with us, and of course, Lim and the cat is attacking you as we speak. <laughs> we just got back from a drive across the, the western part of the country. And as soon as we left South Louisiana, I didn't see many beautiful homes as we see here. There were beautiful architectural dwellings, but there was more adobe and just different. We really have a unique style here that I'm not sure most of our residents understand um, how, how lovely our homes are, you know, the, the type of home that you design. Well, it definitely is a extremely unique area in so many mm-hmm. so many areas. The but, front porches, the um, traditional look. And a lot of the old Acadian design was designed due to the, our climate. Uh, that had a lot to do with the shape uh, and, and the galleries along the houses. So you could go outside in a shaded area and get cooled off, or it shaded the homes from uh, the the sun coming in. And this area, we had uh, very humble materials mm-hmm. and local craftsmanship. Uh, the history of our architecture, we weren't importing all kind of expensive stone and what have you, and that's what gives the informality and comfort to our local architecture, uh, that there are humble materials but put in a very um, unique way. Mm -hmm. The homes, I find, are very uh, 
beautiful, but at the same time, very comfortable. And most of the times, that's a, a hard, fine line to to create. Right, right. When you studied at, at USL back in the day, I know it's UL Lafayette now, but when you studied and graduated in 1981, I'm kind of fast-forwarding from your dad telling you maybe you don't want to do that. You want to be more of a commercial architect. But you followed your dream. You wanted to build homes for people. Absolutely. Were you taught about this traditional Southern design, or was it something you just kind of, you know, dove into yourself? It's all self-learned. In fact, at USL at the time, I was a closeted Hayestown admirer. In fact, his work was was very much mocked. Why? Well, because they felt it was a copy, that it wasn't of... creative. A copy of, of traditional architecture, something that had been done. And in those days, oh they tried to uh, teach you to be real creative and think out of the box. In fact, do things that don't necessarily make sense, but it's just to really something unique. spark your, your oh. creativity. Now, I'm, I'm happy to say that UL... Department of Architecture has recognized the great uh, offerings that Mr. Town has brought to our community, mm-hmm. and it's influenced the architecture more than regionally to his sense of style. He is taking what was classic and kind of put his own interpretation mm-hmm. on it. And I think a lot of his background came from in the um, in the days of the Depression. There wasn't much architecture work. Mm -hmm. So the federal government hired a bunch of architects to go and document all of our historic structures, a lot in the French Quarter, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these antebellum homes. And uh, I think that probably had a real strong influence on Mr. Town as far as knowing details of of different uh, crown moldings and door proportions and He had it all documented. So I'm sure that's what what kind of sparked his uh, style. Right. And what I really like about Mr. Hayestown, I mean, I I know that from my background studying Lafayette, Maurice Hyman was one of his close friends. Yes. And Hayestown had actually designed the oil center. Correct. He He was like your dad in many ways. He was a commercial architect. And when he retired, then he started focusing on residential dwellings. And that's when his real, I think his beautiful work came out. I mean, you probably know that more than I do, but I, I wish I had met Mr. Hyman. I met his son, Herbert. But I think Maurice Hyman is the one that really inspired Hayes Town to go forward and do these things. So it, it was really, Lafayette's had a... I think it's really been a budding place for this talent that you're talking about. It's Not only the commercial, but the, the residential architecture. It certainly has been. In fact, Mr. Towns, uh, his professional career pre, pre-retirement, if you look at all of his designs, they're very of the day, very contemporary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not until he retired, and I believe it was at 65, that he was able to kind of pursue right. more of a hobby. Right. And a lot of his, you'll see the the evolution of his architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and went back to the traditional Southern, you know, well, Acadian the, the, style. The beginning, uh, in fact, my in-laws have lived in one of his homes, and originally it was a ranch-style home. In fact, it was originally built for Herbert Hyman as oh. his first home. And my uh, father-in-law, uh, Dr. Dimbo and, and Elizabeth mm-hmm. Montgomery, purchased it. And over the years, they uh, added on, and it became uh, more iconic Hayestown. Mm-hmm. But you look through the years of his work, and you see his evolution, much like a painter. But at 65, to yeah, start exactly. his second career. That's right. So, And that's know, what we value today. That, that's you know. correct. And so that should tell anyone that it's never too late. Thank God. <laughs> to pursue your dreams. <laughs> that gives me hope. Because <laughs> he had a, you know, a very rich career right. uh, in, in the residential uh, arena. Right. So when you graduated, I mean, you, you went through UL, USL, and I guess like you were saying, they were thinking that Hayestown wasn't really the way to go. But you, you probably have been drawing designs from the time you were five when you opened up our interview to... The time you graduated. So, were you always drawn to the use of, you know, restoring 
homes or taking structures and, you know, salvaging old wood, bricks, did that always appeal to you? Absolutely. I think there's a warmth that it gives a home. It makes it uh, so much more livable, Mm -hmm. comfortable. And as things get worn by a family, they tend to look better with age, Mm -hmm. as opposed to something that's pristine that the first scratch you notice it. Right. And uh, when I graduated, my father wanted me to work for a large firm outside of town to get outside experience. And I worked for Morris Aubrey in Houston. They had over 200 architects. Oh. And so it was a total shock uh, as from what I was used to because I had worked part-time for a rook in Gossam while I was in school on and off. And uh, they did work all over the world. It was uh, certainly commercial work. And... It was there that I really decided this is not the path I want to follow. Uh, it Did just, you have, was it cookie cutter, what you had to do? Or? Well, actually, being there were so many architects, and, and I, I'm just being a fresh graduate, all I would do is letter. Day in and day out, uh, this is before computers, mm-hmm. so you'd have to title the drawings, floor plan, Elevation, really? the title sheets, and that's all I did. Like an internship almost. <laughs> yes, and I thought, it's going to take me years before I'm able to really design something with that big of a firm. So I came back and worked uh, for a work in Gossam. Mm-hmm. And about that time, the 80s uh, downfall oh had the, hit. The economy just tanked. And also, a work in Gossam split up. Mr. Rook went on his own, and my father did the same. And uh, there was... Uh, he had two employees, me being one of them, and he really didn't need me at the time <laughs> because work was so slim. Right. And uh, Ann and I were newlyweds, and uh-huh. he, she was working for Dr. Neil Bernard, and he knew of my interest in homes, but had never drawn anything that materialized. So he had the confidence in me, hired me to do the first home. Oh, my gosh. And... Uh, really? Yes. Yeah, so did he tell you what he wanted, or he just he said did. draw it? And, and his wife Cindy, she, you know, she was very um, wow much into design and style, and uh, so it was just really an experience for me. Do you remember the day that he hired you? Oh, I definitely. I do. mean, oh, I definitely do. What? We had just moved back, and and started oh, working. What an affirmation of your talent! And. Uh, you know, I asked my father, I said, do, do you want, I'm, you know, I'm working for you. Do you want me to bring this into the office? He said, oh, you couldn't pay me, you know, to to do a home. You do that on your own, on your own mm-hmm. time and uh, moonlighting basis, which starting out, I really, Ann and I really welcome that, uh, yeah. that extra income. And as the commercial work was still slow, uh, after the Bernard House got built, it, it started getting noticed, and one house led to the other, which led to the other. Was it following the lines you've been talking about, the use of brick and Absolutely, wood? absolutely. So he gave you the, the rain to... He gave me free rain. Design, he, he, rustic, or whatever it was he wanted. He, he, they told me with the... Uh, they wanted something very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they told me with their... Uh, he had a budget. Yes, yeah. like everyone. <laughs> and uh, he. But architects never quite follow a budget, well, do they, Kevin? <laughs> you want to give the client what he ultimately exactly. wants. Let yes. me just leave it You'll at that. You'll be happy with it long term. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and. Um, I bet that was fun. Th- you know, they oh just gave gosh. me the spatial requirements and let me go. And, yeah. And uh, being I was able to do that, as uh-huh. I mentioned, one thing led to the other. One got two, two got four. <sighs> And commercial work was still slow, and my father says, you know, maybe one of those residential jobs in the office wouldn't be so bad after yeah, all. Yeah. So the practice really shifted from commercial to residential. And soon after that, my father retired. Oh. And uh, When was that? Oh, my goodness. I don't remember. Uh, when he retired, he went to work on a volunteer basis for the Diocese of mm-hmm. Lafayette. Mm-hmm. The diocese owns more properties in the parish, except for maybe UL, and maybe maybe even more than UL. And a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. their buildings and properties are, are old and need work. And there was no one there uh, at the diocese that had an architectural background. So it was a department that he opened and right. started. 
and he really enjoyed it. He had freedom and didn't have the pressures of a practice. And he just volunteered. He, he just volunteered, uh-huh. but I think he got uh, way more out of it. You yeah. know, um, he was able to meet a lot of nice people, and it kept him active. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for a long time. Uh, and, yeah. You know, he would come to the office every day, so he never really stopped, but uh, which made it really nice for me. Now, were y'all in the—I know your office now is off of LaRue, France, La Rue, right? LaRue, France. Was that where his office was? His original office was, was in F&B Towers, now Chase that Tower. That he designed. That he yeah. designed. And then when O'Rourke and Gosson uh, went their separate ways— he, he stayed in there for a little while, and then, as I mentioned, the economy was so bad, yeah. he rented an office uh, near Four Corners. Mm-hmm. And uh, after he retired, I maintained my office there, and things had started to kind of get a little rough around that area, and that's when I built my office yeah, on La Rue, France. Yeah, it's just like a home. Like it a it home, is, home except office. the inside is it's more transitional. I didn't mm-hmm. want my office to feel like my home. Yeah. So it's fairly modern inside Mm -hmm. and um, has a lot of glass, overlooks a beautiful live oak tree, all of our studio spaces. Right. Well, Kevin, I'd like to pause for a second. I want to get into your career and maybe you can give people some advice about how they can make their homes, you know, more livable. We're going to talk about COVID and what's happened with people wanting to redo their space. But I wanted to pause as we look back at an interview that we did with your brother, Jim Gosson. And Jim is also a neighbor. I know he lives in the home that your father had built in the neighborhood. And he's an icon in the Gulf seafood industry and a passionate spokesperson for our fishermen. And he shared a compelling message on Discover Lafayette, which is kind of summed up as follows. He's working to attract the next generation of fishermen. And he feels that it's up to all of us to help this next generation sustain their business so that we can enjoy our our culture that we've always had here. And what he said was, the Gulf is our money tree beneath the sea. So I'd like to take a moment to listen to a couple of seconds of his interview, and then we'll be right back. Let's take a listen. Today, if their boat wasn't passed down from their father mm-hmm. or grandfather, they couldn't afford to buy a boat and pay for it for what they catch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they the, like the Dickie Brennan's group in, in New Orleans and uh, uh uh, John Besh's group and, and uh, uh, Donald Link's group, they see the value and not trying to see how much they can push the price down to the fishermen. So they go back to them and like Ryan Pruitt has, uh, runs Pesh and one of the owners of Pesh in New Orleans, he sees the value of what do you need to make a living? Mm-hmm. Then it's up to me to sell it. And that's what I've been trying to do for years you have to be able to sell it. If I can't sell it, then it doesn't do anybody any good. But I have to be able to get a product that I'm proud of and say, wow, buy this. But mm-hmm. it has to be able to get more money. Mm-hmm. And because if the fishermen don't make a living, nobody up the chain makes it. Then you're just selling the same thing yeah. everybody else is. You're losing the China. culture. Yeah. yeah. And you lose the culture. and. So there's a new breed of fishermen, it's young people, and it's really our job as the old guys in the business to make sure they survive or we won't have anything. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. You can hear that interview with Jim Gosson and Kevin Gosson and so many of our other interviewees at discoverlafayette.net. But I'd like to go back and let's get back with Kevin Gosson and talk about what you do to help people build homes. And Kevin, I want to give you a plug. We built this home. We lived down the street from you 21 years ago. It took us a couple years to build, and most of our neighbors self-contracted, as you know. Yes. And we went with a draftsman. We knew what we wanted. We're not architects or engineers. We're two lawyers that built this house. And I have to tell you, we learned the hard way over time that it's much better to have an architect overseeing the work. And I'm just being candid with you. I wish we had gone with you from the beginning. We looked at cost, but we knew what we wanted. But yet as time has gone on, I've seen where we didn't get the exact home that we could have had. Even though our home came out beautiful and lovely, 
We've had some structural issues, and I think people don't always understand that when you custom build, it's really worth it paying for that extra professional touch. If you want to talk about that some, what's important about having an architect, an engineer involved in the design of a home? Well, you know, I'm often interviewed for a job, and they come into the office, and they're considering an architect or someone that may just Mm -hmm. draw house plans that charges by the square foot and wanting to know the difference. And first of all, a kind of a per square foot price plan, you'll get maybe two or three pages, maybe four. Uh, We pride ourselves on doing extensive drawings in detail. Uh, By doing out-of-state work, we've learned early on that you really need a proper thorough set of instructions. I don't want the man behind the hammer making design decisions for me and my clients. And that's what happens if you don't have that detailed plan. Our people on the job are measuring windows and say, well, your plans call for 10 foot ceilings, but this is nine and a half feet that's been right. Right, I mean, that exactly. Happens. Or do you want the second sink in your bathroom or the bathtub? Because it doesn't fit. That's the kind of stuff we went through. I see. You know what I'm saying? And it all worked out, but I got my own bathroom because of design issues. So I was happy, but it was also, we could have avoided that if we had had someone like you. And we charge a traditional fee for what architects charge. Um, And as I mentioned, often people are wanting to know what the difference is in and I think if you look at my homes that I design, that you'll see a difference. In fact, whenever one of my home, one of my designs go up for sale, one of the first amenities that's listed is a Kevin Gossin home. I've seen that online. So, you know, that, that has some weight. And I mm-hmm. think the value of the home, given a, a similar sized home, is, is greater on the homes that we design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tell people, if you can't see the difference between what I design and others, then it's not worth you spending that money. It's something you you need to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I also tell people, you think nothing of paying 6% for a real estate commission on the house you're going to sell. Sell the house you own, and that'll almost pay my fee. Mm-hmm. And you're paying the 6% on a not only the home value, but the lot value right. and everything else. So right. it kind of puts it in perspective for a client. Mm-hmm. So people that come to you, uh, I don't know if they're all custom building or maybe you do some remodels. Do you help people? To, uh, if they want to buy an older home, do you help them, guide them and see is this home able to be remodeled or is it better to start fresh? Do you give advice to people? Absolutely. We do both. Uh new construction and remodel and, and additions. And it seems like with COVID that the importance of one's home has really become mm-hmm. uh, paramount. Uh, people having to spend so much more time at home, not being able to socialize or go to restaurants, that the value of the home is uh, something that they really want to focus on. So it has caused the client to rethink their homes. They live differently now. And uh, probably going forward, it's not going to be much different than that. Uh, People have become more dependent on their home, so they want to love their home and the spaces in it. Right. It's been interesting, you know, Bill Bakke that does all the statistics on the home sales. I've been amazed at how many homes have been sold like it's been crazy, but a lot of people I know have been redoing or upgrading their existing homes. So have you stayed busy in the past year and a half since COVID hit in March, 2020? We've stayed very busy. Um, we're right now extremely busy. Uh, again, to focus at, I mean, people's focus on homes has kind of changed their priority. Mm-hmm. That, uh, it's become more important. So they tend to put more funds, more effort, more thought mm-hmm. into their home. Mm-hmm. And it's become a more popular commodity for a family right. to have a nice home rather than to have maybe a camp and uh, a, a, a mediocre home and maybe something mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Kevin, is it possible? I know that you tend to go for um, 
you know, the salvage materials and, and um, a larger home. So some of your homes might cost more than a middle-class family could purchase. Is it, in your, in your opinion, I mean, how can people build a good-looking, sturdy, nice home on a budget? Do you ever work on those, or do you give I, advice? I, on- I do. I, I think the most important thing is proportion. You can take a home that has unlimited an unlimited budget and materials. And it could be the most awful looking piece Mm -hmm. of architecture. It's the way those materials, right. It'll be the way those materials are put together. Mm -hmm. The proportions could be just terrible. By the same token, you can take a humble, humble materials, much like the Acadians did. Right. Very humble materials. They were of the earth. And with great proportion and and thought, they created beautiful architecture. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a primary example that good architecture doesn't equate, equate to uh, excessive funds. Mm-hmm. Um, again, proportion, I believe, is your biggest friend. So when you say proportion, are you talking about windows, uh, doors, floor space? Kind of how it all comes together. From the exterior, the roof can be too large for the, for the body of the house, or it could be too small. Mm-hmm. The proportions of window sizes, width versus the height, given on a front elevation, I think all of that comes comes mm-hmm. into an important play, and it's how those pieces are put together, and it takes someone with a mind that can recognize all of those differences, because mm-hmm. you can take those same materials and mix them around differently in different areas, and it can be kind of a nightmare. Right. right. I know when we've we've built when John built a home out in Hidden Hills before, and we learned the hard way, Kevin, that you don't want your freezer in the corner of the kitchen because then you can't open one of the doors, you know, to get into it. Right. So when we were designing this home. I was really aware of that problem, but then we have a cluster of other things where the dishwasher opens up by the sink. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like an architect that's really built some homes can help people come up with like practical space use too. Sure. You know, like you learn this when you build a few homes, but most people just buy a home and that's it for life. And when you get in it, you realize, oh my gosh, well, right, not this until is you not live good, in you know. And, you know, being, having done this for a long time, you know, my, my first love is beauty in a home. And however, function mm-hmm. you learn along the way from clients uh, or living, living life. And uh, I'm glad to say that our homes are both beautiful and functional. They've got to live. Many people walk in the office and will start uh, the interview process as to what they want in the home. And some of them will, oh, I want to design the home for these parties we're going to have. And I'll say, well, how many parties have you had in your lifetime? And how many a year? That are over, <laughs> you know, over 12, 14 people. Well, one, but when we move into the new home, oh. we're going to, habits don't change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I encourage people to design for how you live. Uh, with in mind, though, for resale, too, because you mm-hmm. never know when when you're going to move on, but uh, you also want to protect your investment. But uh, don't design for the two events in your life, the or the three list. events in your life. Yeah, Design for the everyday, because mm-hmm. uh, that's what makes a home happy. And people get that? They do. Once you're talking to they them? They do. You know, it's, it's funny, when we built this home, it's open, but we didn't really plan it for anything other than ourselves. Mm-hmm. But then once we were in it, we thought, well, it is open, and we can open it for church and, it works. you know, the high school parties, sure. the, the graduations and all. But the day-to-day is, is a refrigerator in a good spot? Can I wash the dishes without tripping on something else? Like, it's that day-to-day stuff that they're, really matters, you know? They're very important, because yeah. those things are what irritate you and, and don't... You don't allow you to enjoy mm-hmm. the beautiful things mm-hmm. in your home. Is there a size home that you think is ideal? Like if you've got a family, let's say a young family or 40 ish couple mm-hmm. with two or three kids, is there an ideal size home that works for people? Well, that varies dealing with the homeowner's wish list, the, the rooms they need. But I think. Uh, a, a house of around 3,400 square feet mm-hmm. is you can do a lot with, but it's not too large, or mm-hmm. 3,500 square feet. Mm-hmm. And the cost between 
let's say a 2,000 square foot house in a 3,400 square foot house, it's not that much more per square foot. Oh. I mean, it's, uh, because your expensive things in the smaller house, such as your master bath, yeah. your fireplace, your kitchens, your garage. The foundation. That's, right. That's the same in a smaller as it mm-hmm. is to a larger home. So the bigger square footage, there just tend to be larger rooms and mm-hmm. it's, it becomes less per square foot. But again, I think a around a 34 3500 square foot house it's very comfortable you move into 4000 feet you can pretty much do a lot you know mm-hmm. do anything uh spatially right. with large rooms right what are the trends what are people wanting today that maybe they didn't want 20 years ago in a design well the idea of your parents living rooms that has been gone for a long time um what about dining rooms? Uh, half and half. Some mm-hmm. people want them. Uh, others want a more casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, a lot of people feel when they're building a house of, let's say, 3,500, 4,000 feet uh, for resale. It, a dining room is a space of luxury. Uh, I think it's good if you can get in the habit when you move into your new home to make, not make the dining room so formal to where... Mm-hmm. You don't use it often. Get into the habit of for dinner when you sit as a family. Use that dining room. Yeah. Make it valuable space that, that you enjoy. But you can opposed, also work at it, you know, use right. it as a table to work Sometimes at. Sometimes we'll put bookshelves in, in a dining mm-hmm. room. It doubles as a library or mm-hmm. for games or studying or what have you. And I think the trend to have multi-uses for rooms makes sense, and particularly at the cost of construction. Mm-hmm. Right. But things have changed. Like they it seems have. like it's flipped from well, what I've seen, and, you know. And the open more open concept is a lot more popular uh whereas Mr. Town uh it, everyone was segmented. Mm-hmm. Now, I see a trend somewhat moving to new homes not being totally open to where there's some semi division uh to where you don't feel like you're just in one big gymnasium with all of your public spaces put together Mm -hmm. that there's a sense of separation but a sense of openness Mm -hmm. uh and that's a fine line right are we running out of space in lafayette to build well as i travel through youngsville and broussard and just see subdivision after subdivision Mm -hmm. after subdivision pop up it doesn't look like it and you see also a trend uh like in Bendale Gardens, which is a phenomenal neighborhood. I, mm-hmm. I would love to live there myself. You see a trend of people buying homes, tearing them down, starting over. I think you're going to see more of that mm-hmm. or putting a lot of money into an existing home. Right. I caution clients, however, if you have a, an older home and you're doing a lot to it, if you, if you aren't happy with pretty much how it is and just want to embellish it, uh, you can spend more money remodeling, trying to make an existing home something that it wasn't. And at the end of the day, you spent more money. Than just tearing it down. Than tearing it down. Really? Because, you know, uh, major renovations are, are more costly than new construction. And if you're trying to reinvent a house. Uh-huh. Like raise a roof or. Um, raise a roof or move kitchens and, you know, adding on 20% more square footage. You've spent similar dollars, and you end up having made many compromises along the way. Mm-hmm. So we help clients analyze, is it worth putting money into this house? And mm-hmm. what are going to be the negatives of doing that? And then versus new construction. And uh, the more you're doing to an existing home, mm-hmm. the more likely new construction is better. So, you know, if you're going to buy a house and have to reinvent it, more than likely, you'd be better off st- starting over. You know, but each I, case is unique. Exactly. And I guess you've got to look at who's surrounding you. Like, you've got to look at surrounding right. land values and right. home values. But in our neighborhood here, in Oakwater Estates, we've got several things going on. And I wondered, you know, one house was sold and bought at a loss, but it's like it's got to be redone. We've right. got new things going on and old homes being redone. And I'm wondering... How much are they spending? It's well, got to be expensive with today's cost of construction and the materials. Ab- absolutely. There's one home, uh, it was an old home that you and I see mm-hmm. every day, and they're doing a, an addition that is yeah. probably 
200% larger than their original home. Mm -hmm. And I was speaking to the contractor who's doing some work for me. And, you know, the sad thing is the original part still will have eight-foot ceilings, still will have... It's very low. Yeah, it's an old design. And and, And they're not raising the roof. No, and and in that case, there's no question they would have been... uh, much better off tearing tearing Mm -hmm. down the house and starting over. And yet they wanted this neighborhood. They wanted to be here. So I welcome them. Oh, absolutely. It's a wonderful neighborhood to live in. Yeah, but that's an older home as a, you know, compared to like your home or something, you would never tear down your home. But some of these older homes that are really from the 50s or 40s, I wonder about that. A lot of them in Mouton Gardens, they're very small. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're having to add on another... 1,500, 2,000 square feet, and you've got this old structure that needs to be totally rewired, totally plumbed. Mm-hmm. All you're left is studs, mm-hmm. and they're probably in the wrong place. So uh, for a renovation or addition to make sense, mm-hmm. you don't want to have to just destroy more than half of it. Right, right. Any advice on students of architecture, people that are interested in walking in your footsteps, you know, following you. Like, is this, are things evolving quickly? Is this a good market to be in, you know, in, well, in the South? my son Crawford, my middle child, graduate, got just recently got his master's in architecture. And I'm, I'm proud to say he's working alongside of me. Mm-hmm. So we'll be th- three generations of architects in my family. And I encourage him to follow his dreams, not mine, just as I didn't follow my father's. Now, there was a transition area where I worked for my dad, and I'm, we do commercial work, and I enjoy the break of doing commercial work. We've done, you know, a fair amount mm-hmm. of it. Uh, we definitely have with ESA. and ESA, Hub City uh, Hub Ford. City, uh, Ford. Uh, uh, Park Lafayette, we did mm-hmm. a lot of those buildings in there that mm-hmm. are very traditional for Glenn Stewart, and um, uh, numerous other projects, commercial projects. But, you know, I, I encourage Crawford to... Follow his dream, and uh, maybe it's a blend. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, if you if you do what you enjoy, you never go to work. Mm-hmm. And people say, you know, when are you going to retire? I said, I, I don't know what I do. Oh my gosh! When I retire, I know. Why I, mean, I, I love what I do now. Mm-hmm. You know, I may be less active or not take as many commissions on, but. Uh, I can let Crawford deal with the day-to-day headaches of a practice, and then mm-hmm. I can just kind of do what my dad did. That's and, wonderful. And just do enjoy what I want to enjoy. Yeah. Well, you're so young still, so I don't want to see you retire. <laughs> oh, that's right. We, You and I yes. are born the same year. Very so, young. So we're yeah. very, very young. <laughs> well, let me ask as we wind down, what are the current, I don't know if you, I guess you keep up with the decorating trends too, but yes. you, you're looking in our room, this is a blue, we've got this dark blue study mm-hmm. and bronze walls. We built this 21 years ago mm-hmm. and I've had designers come in and go, oh, you need to paint all this white or linen. And we kind of keep it the way we like it. But I don't know what the... Does that affect a home? Like, do you have to change things to stay current? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think a home needs to reflect your personality, not someone else's. These were seashells that when I would walk, I would pick up shells. I see. And I went with the colors that I loved. But then I don't want to be outdated. Well, you know, I think... Traditional colors can be updated. Um, you know, the trend of everything white, I see that trend going away. In fact, the fabric reps will call on me. And uh, you see the introduction of florals and colors and vividness. And, uh, you know, they, they want to create new trends to have new the sales. Things. Yeah. And um, I, I think you can have a light palette, but still have some warmth to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wondered if that's something. Do you get involved in that? Do people ask you to help I do. In with fact, the, the colors? We, well, we work from start to finish. We select, uh, assist the, the customer selecting all the finishes, tile, countertops, flooring, paint. Uh, so it's kind of a one-stop stop mm-hmm. thing. I believe that uh, also architecture doesn't start at the front door and then at the back. All of the gardens, all the patios, courtyards. Uh, need to be integral in that design. Mm-hmm. Also, I've seen homes where someone has designed the home and then there was a different person, different discipline 
doing the interiors, and they were very much out of sync with oh, each other. Yeah. It was obvious there were two different mindsets on a project. Mm-hmm. And we try to guide our, our clients to have a uh, cohesive design from inside all the way to the mm-hmm. outside and to, into the interiors. Right. Building can be so stressful, you know, and you want it to, it, sometimes you don't know till it's, it's a work in progress. Is it working? Like, is it, is it really jiving? Well, right? it's, it's, yes. And it's my experience, the nightmare projects versus <laughs> the fun projects are with at least the ones I've mm-hmm. been involved with, good contractors versus bad contractors. So you kind of know ahead, this is going to be a good project. Y- yes. Yeah. You work with Mark Pritchard, right? A well, lot. Mark Mark Pritchard's a, a colleague architect of mine. I work okay. a lot. I lo- work a lot with Mark Laborde. Mark Laborde, excuse me. That's yeah, all right. Mark Laborde. I was looking online and his name kept on coming up. He's done with more, your name. Excuse me more for misspeaking. Uh, with me than any other single yeah, good builder person. Yeah. In, in fact, his first home was uh, for the Citrons that uh, he did, oh. did for me, Sarah and Rusty. Yeah, they've since moved from there. But right, uh, so you kind of know ahead of time this is going to be a, a fun project. And uh, yes, I mean. I tried to warn people against poor contractors. It's just the nightmare. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we have a good contractor, uh, our plans are very, very thorough. We alongside with the client the whole time, and uh, they always be. It, it always becomes a a fun journey for the client. Mm-hmm. Something that that they remember. And one of the best perks of my career is that I've remained great friends with so many of my clients. You, tend to get to know them on a very personal basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have this journey that you you take together, whereas a commercial piece of architecture, it's more of a business decision. Right. Whereas people's homes, that's very emotional. So right. you, you get to know their vulnerabilities, their uh, a lot of things. Um, and that's been a really beautiful part of my career. That's wonderful. I know... Um, Speaking again, just living in this neighborhood where you also live, I think where you live is as important as what your home looks like. You know, picking that right spot for your family. Is it convenient? Is it affordable in the long term where the family can have some space, you know, to take vacations and not over-invest in their home? So many things go into what makes a home livable. Absolutely. And also, you know, people want to make sure that they're not overbuilding for a neighborhood. Exactly, because um, you don't get it back. No, you don't, unless it's a neighborhood that's on an upswing, which Lafayette's going to really start to see in our older neighborhoods. You think this gonna, people are going to be re, uh, reinvesting? Yes, I, I definitely think so, because location is uh, a premium for so many people. Mm-hmm. They don't want to move out. So uh, they may want a great location, but there's nothing on the market that suits them. So they may buy an older property and mm-hmm. uh, either gut it or start over. And I really believe you're going to see that happening. You, you see that in, in Houston, like in the Memorial area, mm-hmm. uh, where location and, and beauty of the property uh, warrants buying it and, and tearing it down only due, be, due to the home not being uh, suitable right. to the family. Right. Is there anything that you were hoping I would ask that I didn't ask? There was probably more things I was hoping you would not ask. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, did we get in what you wanted to? Uh, Yes. I'm uh, I'm so delighted to have you here. Well, it's been my pleasure. pleasure. I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, my God, Kevin. um, this, This community has been just such a great place to live and raise a family Mm -hmm. uh, as most people who live here feel that way and it's wonderful having uh you as a neighbor and um, thank you we've got a great place here we do we live right by downtown right by the oil center ul and i think what you're saying is right there's so many good places to move outside of the hub of lafayette but there's also a lot of great things going on right near downtown right where we are Right. You know, it's just convenient. When I so. grow, grew up on Ronald Boulevard, if you lived across the river, there was something wrong with you. Because it was too too far. Oh, it's I like know. you were in the sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost like, do you have teeth maybe? Or, <laughs> you know, 
And uh, we knew a few people that uh, we went to school with that lived across the river, and they were forever teased of oh, living God. in the sticks. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of the opposite. You exactly. Know? It's yeah. uh, 70508 is the, the zip it's code. It's a wealthy zip code. It is. But there's a it few is. of us here that like 70503. Yeah. Well, so. I think if you were raised here on the side of town, you have more of an affection yeah. for older Lafayette. Right, right. Well, I want to thank Kevin Gosson, um, president of Gosson Architects, for joining us. And Kevin, I was looking at your website. I know you said it's being worked on, but it's just GossonArchitects.com. Yes, so correct. people can look there. I know you've got an active Facebook page, so people can find you if they want to call you and reach out to you for advice. And uh, I also just want to give a shout out to your family. I just love your family. I met Anne. Your younger sister, I guess she was like a, an intern at a law firm I was at. That's correct. Back in the 80s, and you've got just a, a beautiful family, your, your wife, Anne, and your children. and Well, thank you. Thank you. Brothers, and Jim and Jerry and just I, Gerald, I, I should say. I'm one of seven, and there's a 20-year span between the oldest and the <gasps> youngest. Wow. And I'm right in the middle, so uh-huh. it's kind of like I, I was with two different families. In yeah. fact, my oldest brother, Jim left home when my youngest sister Fran was born. Oh, wow. But uh, And he was active trying to build the seafood oh, business. Right, he was you know? in Houston blowing and going, and mm-hmm. uh, all seven of us are here in Lafayette now. Isn't that something? And uh, we're very close. We speak to each other all the time. And yeah. In fact, we we lunch every Thursday. We text, you know, a, a restaurant, and then whoever can make it, makes it. Who mm-hmm. can't, we'll see you next week. And nieces and nephews are all invited. So it's a great way to keep in touch yeah. on a weekly basis. You're very fortunate to uh, have that I, family. I, I do feel I am, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank Kelly Swift, my youngest, for being here and helping take show notes and um, taking some photos. Kelly, thank you. Yes, thank you, Kelly. <laughs> and I'd like to encourage people to go to discoverlafayette.net to find Kevin's interview along with over 220 other interviews. And I'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, Iberia Bank, now a part of First Horizon, and Oshner Lafayette General. Thank you both for your ongoing support. And of course, Raider and Jason Sikora that mixes our tape and makes it sound so professional. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell others about it. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you. Thank you.